So let's talk a little bit about actually getting involved in developing community. So Elizabeth, you talked a bit about your Japanese experience and what you did to become part of that new community. Um, have you any other stories or experiences to share in that respect? I, I've got this story that I think is a, it's a, it's a lovely, warm community. We're thinking about safety, satisfaction, connection. It meets all these criteria. So I went to, my husband and I went to live in America and we moved into a house and there was a knock at the door one in the early days one day and I went to the door and <laughs> answered the door and it was a woman and she was from the welcome wagon. Hello and a very warm welcome to Successful Student Transitions, hosted by me, Louise Wiles, and my co-host, Elizabeth Gillies. Our aim is to support you as you step out, find your new gear, and thrive in the next stage of your life. Perhaps you're making a move to university, a year abroad, a work placement, or out into the world of work. This week, we're talking about the amazing value of community. To learn more about the welcome wagon, its role in creating community and other stories, tips and insights into the value of creating community in your new place. Listen on. So hello and a really warm welcome. Well, today we're going to be talking about community. And um, we've discussed relationships in the past two previous episodes. And today we're going to focus on the value of belonging to communities and how you can take the first steps in your new environment to enter and or create beneficial well-being, enhancing communities. So as you embark on this life change and the period of transition and adjustment that's gonna follow, communities can, and I'm sure will be, extremely valuable in helping you to settle and feel a sense of belonging. So if you're just moving to university in your first year, You'll be joining a ready-made community in some senses, in terms of the broad institution. And you will also have the opportunity to join countless other communities um, within that organisation throughout the freshest week and beyond. And if you're transitioning into the world of work, you will become part of the community of the company that you're working for and your new organisation, perhaps your department and your team. So what actually is a community? Um, well, Ma and Carpenter in 2016 said a community was or is a social group that shares something in common, such as customs, identifying characteristics, values, beliefs and norms. It may be physical, a physical community, but increasingly we're seeing community as something virtual as well. And Elizabeth and I met through a virtual community and families in global transition. So <laughs> that's evidence of how, yeah, you can meet and build relationships through community. And hopefully community also gives this sense of togetherness, warmth, belonging and friendship. So why is community important? Well, community is important for all the reasons that we have discussed in previous relationship episodes. We're social beings, we're hardwired to belong to groups and tribes for our physical survival, but also for psychological and physiological reasons. And I'm not going to go through it all again, you can go back and listen to the relationship episodes to, to hear more about that there. But the, I think the really underlying and important point is, and this totally relates to this series, which is all about the fundamentals for well-being, 
being in community contributes to our well-being, provided, of course, it's a positive experience. And in that sense of community, we also contribute to others' well-being because well-being is socially constructed. Okay, we can all do things individually to create our well-being, but actually, when, I, when we think about it, and we'll encourage you to think about it as we go through this podcast, you know, well-being is socially constructed. Elizabeth. And, and that's a little bit about our bu- well-being buckets, isn't it? So that, you know, we can fill and have drains on our own, but we can also fill other people or they can fill ours. So we're not a bucket on our own. We belong to, and then you imagine a community, you're a group of buckets. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so we want a, yeah, a metaphor for a community of a group mm. of buckets. Mm. <laughs> Gillian Sanchon, who is a researcher at the University of Sussex, says research shows us that we thrive more when we have lots of people to fill up various emotional needs. So I want to take you back to that relationship matrix that we did at the beginning of the first relationship episode. Um, We suggested you think of all your relationships and you were asked to put them into different boxes and create this matrix, really to demonstrate to you that you have this quite complex interaction of relationships and, and friendships. And some of those will be relationships and friendships that have come through and are in community. So if you want to go back, go back and look at that episode and do that at Matrix if you haven't. If you did do that Matrix, then perhaps get it out um, and have it in front of you as we continue this, this conversation. Communities help us to build our social diversity. And so this is really important for well-being as well. Peggy Kern, who's another researcher in this area, says, our well-being perceptions, experience and behaviours are diverse and spread through a complicated web of social connections. So well-being as I said, is socially constructed. And it's really important we think about it from that perspective. Wellbeing exists at the individual level, the me level. So, you know, we can all do our own things to pour into our buckets and we can all drain our buckets too. And a lot of what we've been discussing about that in previous episodes has, you know, we've been talking about health, about movement, about nutrition. It's been about what we individually can do to contribute to our buckets. Um, but well-being also exists at the we level. That's, so that's the relationships, the interrelationship between us. So those buckets standing together, pouring into each other's and draining each other's. But then also at the us level, so at the much bigger societal or broader community level. So this is a, a, sort of a, a question, I guess, for educational institutions and for organisations. You know, what as an organisation do you do to support the well-being of your community? Um, and and what what are you pouring into the individuals in your community's wellbeing bucket and how are you draining their buckets too I think that's a really important thing to think about so we have these three levels me we and us and I think it's important to think about wellbeing from those perspectives you've got multiple levels and directions of connection and interconnection some feeding our wellbeing positively and some feeding it negatively So what I'd like you to do now is to take some time to think about some of the communities that you've perhaps been involved in. Ones that, let's let's focus on the positive for now, ones that have been broadly positive for you. And just to give you an example, I belong to a tennis club and I have done for the last seven years. So I view it as a 
community of people that I'm involved in. And I play in one of their teams, the ladies doubles team. And I played one night this week and it really did not go particularly well. In fact, we lost quite badly. Um, and I was feeling a little bit at the end of it. Oh, you know, why do I do this? You know, it's not really, you know, I'm not doing so well these days. Perhaps I should rethink this. And luckily, one of the ladies in the group had brought a bottle of wine. We hadn't planned this, but she just pitched up with a bottle of wine and some crisps. And so she said, after we'd finished, she said, oh, let's go and have a chat and a glass of wine and, and some crisps, which we did. And it was so nice to sit down with these six, seven ladies and we just had a really fun conversation. And it just reminded me about why I do this. I don't just play tennis to win. I'm past that. It's not Wimbledon. <laughs> it's just some fun. Um, and so I had had some fun. I had some you know, reasonable exercise. And then I had this nice social time. So in the end, it became a, a sort of input into my well-being bucket. I was personally, individually draining my well-being bucket about that at the end of the match because I was thinking, oh, this didn't go well. And physically, I wasn't as good as I normally am. Mm -hmm. you know, not feeling so brilliant. But that social connection that came from that community then poured more into my well-being bucket. And I left feeling yeah, better than I had arrived, even though I had lost. So that, to me, is the value of community. You know, you can... Um, input to each other's well-being buckets and as long as you're conscious about doing that and you know I spent time with people and deepened my relationships with them which is really great so next time I see them at the club I have you know more to say to them and we have a greater connection so Elizabeth do you have an example of a community that has impacted you in some way yeah I, I when, when I was thinking about what I'd say at this point I was thinking that a community that I had at a time of transition was when I moved to live in, in Tokyo and, of course, really different from the UK. And I met lots of people who were in this in a similar position to me. Um, we were finding out, we were exploring, we were fast learning about how to live in a different society. And so there was a kind of shared struggle <laughs> <laughs> shared shared joy in it um that you know everybody else was experiencing something quite similar and there was that kind of I can help you you can help me that sharing of stuff oh I've got this would you like that so there was a lot of um um sharing and being with each other and the really interesting thing is that that experience and that really early experience of being with a group of people like that it's continued but I'm not in that community anymore <laughs> so although I'm not living in Tokyo the people that I made those connections with in Tokyo they're still really strong um, and you know if somebody calls or you get a message from somebody it's almost like maybe it was part of the struggle that bonded people together mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't all wonderful. <laughs> there were tough times of things. And, you know, so, some of the toughness was about, there was a, there was a high turnover of people. So you'd have a really good friend and then they'd leave, you know, as mm -hmm. happens often, or maybe your children would have some good friendships and then, and then maybe you would leave. So, that 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 there was a, there was a kind of constant drain of high mobility of people coming and going, mm. 
um, nevertheless, I think the struggle kind of united people um, in those together. So I don't know, an example of my my community that was and actually still going, even although I'm not there. No. So it was a physical in-person one and now it's become a virtual one Yes, um, and evolved. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that shared experience is, is so important. So um, you know, if you're moving to university, then you will have experiences in common and that will help build community for sure. Mm-hmm. If you're moving into an organisation, um, you know, I would say search and look for people who are new to that organisation organization too and perhaps build a community through that. That might be one way to start. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway, if you want to pause the podcast now and just have a think about your past communities and your experience of those, you know, think about sort of the characteristics of those communities and what was important to you about those communities and how they fed into your well-being um, through your involvement. And what characteristics would you would be important for you to find in a community as a result as you're thinking forward to the next stage of your life and the communities you hope to build? And one of the other things I'd say about the community that I was in that I really enjoyed was the diversity of it. Mm-hmm. So in a funny way, I wasn't looking for people that were the same as me. I think I'd gone off to kind of this foreign country you know going to Japan and I wasn't necessarily thinking oh I'm going to meet people like me I thought I would because people that move around are kind of similar in some way but I was often I was also looking for different people to have a different view of the world and to kind of open up my world and my eyes to things so you know in particular you know I really wanted to make friends with Japanese people so I wasn't just looking for people like me. I was looking for people who weren't like me. Mm-hmm. So that, that, yeah, that diversity was really important. Yeah. Yeah. That cultural diversity. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll come on and talk a bit about that at the end, because there is, yeah, <laughs> this is part of this conversation that we'll move on to there. Um, so for you, cultural diversity was part of the important aspect of your community or the opportunity for Um, So I'm going to share seven broad characteristics of communities that I think are important and that I've drawn from various um, articles and studies on the subject. So the first part is membership. You know, at university during Freshers' Week, you'll have this chance to join all these societies and membership is part of that. Um, You're paying your fee and becoming a member. But more important than sort of just that membership title, it's feeling that you're part of the group, feeling that sense of belonging. But that doesn't happen overnight, that takes time. You know, you're gonna have to do things to achieve that. Um, so just being aware that it takes time, that you have to nurture your sort of presence in these communities is really important. Um, the second is shared purpose and goals. You, know, you, you tend to share beliefs and values around a certain activity, event, whatever this community is about. You may not all be exactly the same um, in terms of your broad beliefs and values, um, probably not at all there'll be diversity there but you'll all be che- working to achieve something similar so if it's a sporting one you're wanting to win if it's something creative then you're you know is it perhaps drama you're wanting to create something together so you'll have that shared purpose and goal the third is you're hopefully going to feel comfortable um, and it's safe to express yourself as you wish 
and knowing that you're going to be treated fairly. And I think that's a really important part of a, a valuable community. So if I were you and I was joining communities at university, I would be asking myself, is this somewhere I'm going to feel comfortable? Um, I've heard stories about some communities at some universities and comfort is not the word that some people would use to describe those. So, you know, that's your choice. Obviously, you have your own values around that. But just just think about that. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, we'll think, well, is this something I want to invest my time and effort and energy in? Often there'll be rituals, routines, forms of celebration, um, initiation ceremonies in some clubs at unis. I mean, that's another question to ask yourself. Is this something I want to be involved in to do? Um, but also, you know, some of them are, are fun, they're playful, they're enjoyable. You know, thinking back to the rest and recovery um, episode, you know, different forms of rest. So being involved in a community that is playful and fun is a form of rest. So perhaps that's how you'll see it and, and, and what you'll draw from it. Hopefully a feeling of empathy, connection, compassion. You know, all those things that are essential to building relationships apply obviously in community too. That camaraderie, you know, the trust and the friendship, the familiarity and sociability that all grow with time. Um, and with that collaboration, you know, so you're collaborating together to achieve something. It's not that someone's leading you and you just follow. So hopefully there is that sense of collaboration and finally support a real community I think is your safety net it's somewhere that you can turn to and say today is not a good day you can support me here um, but of course communities have different purposes so perhaps that isn't the purpose of the community one so, so all of these could be part of a community and may not be part of the community what's important for you is understanding the nature of that community and whether it's meeting your needs in this sense and the reason I say that is because Rick Hansen, who is the author of Hardwiring Happiness, the new brain science of contentment, calm and confidence, says that we all have three core needs, safety, satisfaction and connection. And the three operating systems supporting these three needs help us to avoid harm. So that's the safety aspect, approach reward, you know, and satisfaction and attachment to others. And so when these three needs are met, our brains then become much more responsive, much more open. Yeah. So if you have a community that is meeting those three needs, you're probably going to have a very different feel to that community than one that, than another community that doesn't. So that might explain why you feel that some communities really do work and others don't. And that's just worth bearing in mind as you, as you sort of work your way into new communities and decide where to spend your time. So let's talk a little bit about actually getting involved in developing community. So Elizabeth, you talked a bit about your Japanese experience and what you did to become part of that new community. Um, have you any other stories or experiences to share in that respect? Um, I, I've got this story that I think so. It's a it's a lovely, warm community. We're thinking about safety, satisfaction, connection. It meets all these criteria. So. I went to, my husband and I went to live in America and we moved into a house and we were kind of setting up home there. And there was a knock at the door one in the early days one day. And I went to the door, <laughs> I answered the door and it was a woman and she was from the welcome wagon. <laughs> I had never heard of that. Yes, there's me being British. 
And um, the function of the welcome wagon, I guess, was from pioneering times when people in wagons went across America and how important it would be to connect up people, help them belong, help them find out who was who and what was what in communities. So this this woman from this organization called the Welcome Wagon did exactly that for me. She helped me find out where you know, the doctor's surgery was, where where I needed to go, where the shop, good shops were, just like she gave me the lay of the land, right? Wagon or no wagon. <laughs> and, and gave me a kind of basket of simple provisions that I would need to kind of fill up my cupboard. Um, and so it really, it really made me think about how important that was to have somebody that orientated me into this new place and so I've I've, I've kind of continued that I, I you know I really like buddy systems you know when people are maybe joining schools or going new places or even in work because actually my husband had a buddy at work um maybe maybe in some cultures there is more of that kind of thinking about how you welcome people and integrate people in and it might be in your work that might be something there for you to think about but I really I really kind of like that that notion of me being welcomed in and then being able to do it for other people Mm -hmm. so that's how you start to develop community giving them exactly as you said that kind of idea about you know knowing how to get connected you know, and knowing where, you know, you would just link up with other people. And, mm-hmm. and as well as the welcome wagon, there was also something called a newcomers club that you could belong to for two years where everybody would be new and you would do things, there were things set up for you. And then after the two years, they, they thought you could do it on your own. So <laughs> there was structure there to help people get integrated into that community, which mm-hmm. I never experienced anywhere else I've lived. Yeah. Yeah, and I experienced the similar thing. Well, actually, both when I moved to Madrid and then to Lisbon, and the clubs that I joined there, because um, I when I first and actually this is this is probably a lesson about not joining community and why it's really worth looking for one when you join. When I first moved moved to Madrid, I decided I'm not joining any of these expat communities because I'm here to learn Spanish and to get to know Spanish people problem was my husband was working all day long long days and I was not initially and I was doing a Spanish course I did learn I did meet friends people through that but not so many and I ended up being really lonely and in the end I did join some expat clubs and they had this newcomers welcome so in Madrid they were called Amigas and they would um, get in touch with you and then the same system actually in Lisbon same word and they would yeah, and then I became an Amiga and I would phone people and welcome them and just, yeah, just to give people background information about the locality and the community and everything and draw them into the, the club. Really valuable, especially, and, and I learned, you know, that that's the way you start and then you can branch out into the local community and learn to you know, meet local people. But it just you know, it gives you that initial orientation and support in those initial days. So my message here would be, yeah, don't don't walk away from offers of community initially. Use those to help you settle a little bit. Um, then you can choose not to be part of them as you move forward if you don't want to. But at least you know that initial connection is really valuable. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about how to identify and play and find a place in community. So the first thing I would suggest is think about your interests, your skills that you want to develop, things you want to learn and do, and perhaps write a list of those. And then you know, look around, look around for communities that provide that kind of focus. Um, so that would be a starting place. Um, and then also groups that create. Um, research has shown that groups that are creative in what they do often facilitate closeness and togetherness really well. So think here about if you're creative in the musical sense or if you're artistic, um, if you like being involved in drama, you, you love books, anything really that um, draws you together to, to reflect and learn from some activity and then to create something from it. Um, I guess sports as well, because you're creating a, a performance, you know, a team spirit and everything. So think about something that has that purpose that is about creating something positive. Um, you can look at neighbourship, you know, neighbourhood groups. If you've moved into a new neighbourhood, often there are groups that support that neighbourhood. Um, you know, if you're religious or spirit, you have some form of spiritual um, interest, look for those kind of groups. Um, and charitable organisations as well, often you know, looking for volunteers and very welcoming. It's really important to think about your own values and what's important to you in terms of connection. So think about that carefully um, so that you're better able to judge whether a community is the right one for you. Um, and if you can't find a group that has the interests that you're interested in, well, you could start one. Um, you don't have to start big. You can start a small community of two or three people. So, for example, if you love to hike, and you can't find one that's doing the kind of hikes you like, well, why not start one? Or if you like to read books, um, why not start a club that's around you know, reading books and discussing those? Um, and then it's really important to make your participation a habit, yeah? to show up regularly and to participate um, and, and to talk to people. In the episode on building relationships, we talked about talking to strangers. <laughs> and how that can be quite daunting but not always so um so it's a, it can feel quite daunting um but the more that we do it the easier it becomes so actually making this getting involved in community as a habit um will help in the long term and support I mean often we join a community because we're looking for support for ourselves um, but also it can be useful to think about, well, I'm going to go join this community and offer my support to others. Don't wait for people to offer you support. Just, you know, contribute and offer your support because from that will you know, develop relationships and support for you. Um, it will be reciprocated. And don't be too, don't feel too scared and vulnerable. I love this quote from Brené Brown about vulnerability. And I think this applies to sort of getting stuck into community building. She says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. So, yeah, be courageous, be vulnerable and get stuck in. And as we close this episode, I've got one thought for you to consider. And it's this, you know, often people talk about community members needing to have shared values. So this is going to link back to what Elizabeth was saying about cultural diversity. Um, and 
there's a great um, author of a book called Sounding the Drum, Community Building in the Dig Digital Age called Laurie Goslin. And she suggests that actually perhaps, you know, this sharing of values and beliefs is, is, is limiting for community building. She says, we all share in the very challenging and sometimes joyful, painful experience of life. And perhaps community building should encompass diversity in every sense. So from emotional to intellectual to academic to physical, economic, religious, cognitive, cultural and ethnic diversity. So looking for that diversity in community is perhaps the source for creating a really powerful community. Um, so keeping um, a broad perspective on, on what community might be is really important. And I think if community were a shape, Elizabeth, what shape would you give community? I think it would be a circle, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> but I think so everybody, all encompassing, you know, and and maybe it wouldn't have a straight, you know, a, a straight circumference. It would be permeable, so Ooh. there would be kind of movement in and out, wouldn't there? There'd Osmosis. Be movement, <laughs> there would be. Fantastic. Yes, I like that one. I like that one. So I really hope this has sparked some thoughts for you about community and what it's going to mean to, you, mean to you in this next stage of your life and the value that community can contribute to your well-being and the well-being of others. So let's just think through that perma framework that we like to end each of our episodes with and think about how community can sort of um, build our own perma, but also the perma of others. So starting with positive emotions, you know, so if you're connecting with others and it's going well, then that pure connection that sense of belonging and um, that sense of love support gives you a sense of joy so lots of really lovely positive emotions are created through connection um engagement what about engagement Elizabeth? well i think you know if you're engaged in an activity it enables you to do what you like doing use your strengths to um achieve great things to just be engaged in doing something with for yourself and with other people yep yep and of course relationships well goes without saying yeah you're creating and developing multiple interesting relationships through culture um through community hopefully i mean not everyone has to be your friend i think that's an important point to make about community you know some will become very good friends but not everyone that doesn't matter you know what's important about community is that connection and sense of purpose as well mm -hmm. And the meaning is, is about looking for that purpose that's larger than ourselves. And community, being, along, being belonging to a community often can provide that. And it reminds me of um, a doctor I once knew who seemed to do it quite well with all her family and everything. And I asked her what she did, you know, to encourage her kids to be part of a community. And she, she said every day she asked them, it might get got a, a little bit boring, but she asked them what they were doing for the world. So they were connecting with this bigger world outside of them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's so important. So the ultimate is accomplishment. And that's hoping, hopefully we feel that we're achieving and progressing something, some aspects of our lives through through um community and the one thing I would say about community you know we're, we're talking about the fundamentals for well-being and a lot of what we've talked about has been encouraging you to to reflect individually on what contributes to your well-being um, but as I said at the beginning well-being is socially constructed and it's much broader than 
just about us. I think it's also really important that we broaden that that thought and our consideration around well-being to thinking about others and asking ourselves, you know, how am I in my daily activities contributing to the well-being of others? Because as we do that and contribute to others' well-being, it will pay back to us in you know leaps and bounds because they'll also contribute to our ours as well. Um, and so then the final is health. And we talked about in the health, we talked about sleep, we talked about, okay, sleep, we can't really involve others in sleep. Although how we sleep might, in a community, we need quiet and silence for sleeping, that might contribute. Mm. Um, then there is nutrition. We talked in the nutrition session about, you know, involving others in our in nutrition and planning, meal planning and all of that. And that's really important. And that's fun and supports our well-being talks about rest and recovery multiple means of rest and how important we can you're thinking about rest as something other than sleep sitting down you're doing stuff that actually is enjoyable and provides us with that time and scope for rest and recovery and that often involves other people too and then movement and the benefits of movement individually but there was quite a bit about in that session around why moving in community is so beneficial for us so lots of lovely links there to community too any final words elizabeth you know i i think i would just echo one of the things that louise said throughout the 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 podcast today it takes time you know and and maybe use those those um groups or or structures there as a starting point that you can use and then continue if you want or use them as a stepping off platform to find other other things to do so it's a place to start finding yeah. the structures that are there you don't have to stick with them but then you can use them to move on absolutely totally agree so happy community building thanks for listening thanks for listening bye-bye We hope that this episode has given some inspiration for becoming involved in some communities in your new environment. Other episodes that may be of interest to you include our introduction to the Fundamentals for Wellbeing series, episode 21, 22 and 23. If the PERMA framework mentioned at the end of the podcast is new to you, then listen to episode 22 where we outline the PERMA framework in Wellbeing Foundations. And you might be interested in listening to episode 23, where we talk about this concept of a wellbeing bucket. And if you want some tips and ideas for developing relationships, then listen to episode 28, where we talk about relationships that matter. The two books mentioned in this episode were Rick Hansen's book, Hardwiring Happiness, The New Brain Science of Contentment, Calm and Confidence, and Sounding the Drum, Community Building in the Digital Age by Laurie Goslin. Now please help us in supporting other young people by following and reviewing this podcast on your podcast app of choice and sharing with your friends and networks. Your help would be really appreciated. And now for the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is for information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please don't delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. 
Use of the information on this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk.